Welcome back to the CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor CIO. In this episode, we're talking about hybrid cloud. Initially, it was accepted as a practical approach to balancing workloads in the cloud and on-premise, assuming that many organizations would never have certain data and applications anywhere other than on-premise. But as the security and performance credentials of the big public cloud providers have been galvanized in the past few years, the question now is whether hybrid cloud has become something of a euphemism for being a digital laggard as more and more organizations look to migrate everything to the cloud. Our first guest is Elizabeth Wilson, who is the CIO with the Victorian Department of Education and Training. Elizabeth, welcome to the CIO Show. Thank you. Now, I understand you were also previously the CIO at Edith, at Edith Cowan University for something like five and a half years. Yes, that's right. Quite a long stint. Now. Elizabeth, you're somebody who's somewhat sceptical of the term hybrid cloud. Please explain. Um, I'm just, um, from my experience, there's very little um, in the way of um, workloads that can't operate in a cloud environment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, um, really, I think we have to justify why we we need hybrid cloud. Um, And I think it's more a matter of looking at multi-cloud rather than hybrid cloud. And so what have been your experiences sort of moving from, I mean, obviously, I understand when at, at, at Edith Cowan you were operating within a, a hybrid cloud environment, but it was a stepping stone, really, wasn't it, in order to move the entire organisation to the cloud and presumably a similar scenario where, you're at, where you are now at um, Department of Education and Training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, when we, we moved both on-premise data centres to a, a private cloud environment um, uh, when I was at Edith Cowan um, and the reason for private cloud at that stage is there's not been a lot of work done on um, uh, data classification etc and, and we wanted to do that before we sort of moved into public cloud mm-hmm. um, but and, and when we did that the business case that we did um, presumed that we would have at least 10% of our um, workloads that wouldn't be able to go into an infrastructure as a service environment yep. or a cloud environment um, because of the, their age, you know, they've been developed on really old software by researchers over years, etc. Yeah. Um, but what we found once we did move our workloads in, we had less than one percent that wouldn't operate in that environment. Um, so I, I think you know some of it. Some workloads will work in cloud. Um, some workloads that we don't even expect will work in cloud. Maybe not optimised but um, they probably still work, will work in a, in a cloud environment. And for the university, that was the stepping stone into public cloud, which I believe they now have done. Um, they've moved into Amazon Web Services. So we're, we're talking about, there's a term that you mentioned in a conversation we had recently, hybrid multi-cloud. So it, it, it sort of, when I, when I first heard that definition talking to you, I thought, well, perhaps perhaps we're going to stop talking about hybrid cloud as, as as it's been known to date, which is managing a mixture of virtual, you know, cloud and, and on-premise environments, rather the shifting the conversation to the management of multiple clouds. Is that that is that where you see this heading? Absolutely. Um and, and for us, I mean we're we're actually not particularly interested in infrastructure as a service. Our whole um, strategy is around moving to a platform as a service environment. And obviously, those platforms will operate um, from different um, cloud vendors' um, data centres. Right. 
Um, so um, I think our ability to manage across those data centres is going to become more important. Um, how we how we architect um, for, for the um, uh, I guess um, efficient side of data um, between different um, cloud environments is going to be increasingly important, as well as the security aspects of that. And something that strikes me as as interesting about this hybrid cloud discussion is. You know, there's there's a handful of, of valid reasons why organisations would keep data on premise, and one of one of them, and probably the most talked about one, is is security. It used to be talk, we used to talk about data sovereignty a lot. We talk about security now, and of course, in your um, current role, you're dealing with a lot of, of very sensitive information, potentially sensitive information about children. It's not a concern for you that that that, that data should be on premise. You're happy for it to be in the cloud. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that's probably outdated thinking in some respects mm. because um, cloud vendors, they have a vested interest in, in having um, extremely sophisticated security yeah. um, around their data centres, um, probably more so than what most of us have in an on-premise environment mm. um, in some respects. So um, I think, you know, yes, we have we have protected data, Um you know, we're building an application at the moment which will have highly sensitive data, um, you know, about um, children and about health information, etc. Yeah. And that will be all built in cloud environments, um, different cloud environments, a multi-cloud environment, um, but it's being architected um, with security in mind. And this this new um, child database, this is, a, this is a database that's going to bring together information about children from multiple departments within the Victorian government, is that right? Yes, that's right. It's called ChildLink and yeah. it's part of the child information sharing um, initiative yeah. um, and, and really making sure that children are getting the best possible services um, from government, various government service providers and um, that means taking data from um, schools, um, about their uh, education environment, about their health environment, about any other services they may have been accessing across government. So there's a more holistic view of the services that that child may need. And so, what, and what would you say to? I'm not sure if there are any people, that, any critics would say this, but being devil's advocate, what would you say to people that 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 argue? Right, you you, you might say, well. It's your understanding that it makes sense that the cloud it's, that it's in the best interest of the cloud providers that they provide, um, you know, the utmost, um, you know, highest levels of security. But what would you say to somebody who who says, "Well, isn't that shifting responsibility for the protection of that data in some way?" I mean, because because it, it kind of is, right? Well, no, you can't. I mean, we can't shift the accountability for um, our accountability for protecting that data. Yeah. Um, you just can't do that. So it's incumbent on us to ensure that um, all of the protection of that data is in place mm-hmm. um, through various means, um, you know, um, secu- uh, certifications, security certifications, um, penetration testing, all sorts of various means we have of actually auditing the security of, of that data. Yeah. Um, so we cannot censor our accountability. Yeah, yeah. And so do you think, and this is sort of, this is sort of emerging as the, I, I think is the, is the key sort of talking point about hybrid cloud, do you feel that it has become something of a, a euphemism for 
an environment that hasn't, you know, that is that is immature, that is at a, you know, at a, as not complete. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do think that because the, the majority, I think, less it should be less about security. Probably the major reason for um, having any hybrid or or, or on-premise um, workloads now is more probably the maturity of the application itself that's, right. that's running in that environment. Yeah. Um, and if that's that old, <laughs> um, then perhaps it's just the having either the budget or the or the you know, good business case to actually move it. Um, you know, the, that's the thing I think that keeps most people from moving totally into a cloud environment these days rather than the security aspect. Yeah. Um, because I think the, the security aspects, uh, I think, have been pretty well answered. Yes. Um, and, you know, there is no, there's certainly in, in government, there is no, um, you know, government has, has a, a really a, a strategy that, that um, relies on being in cloud. Yeah. Well, if we talk about security and, and of course, and, and regulatory, the, the two areas are not mutually exclusive. I wonder whether what your thoughts are then if you have, and, and of course, you know, regulatory responsibility is sits within the technology department and also beyond within finance, within other areas, particularly in very large organisations in, in the private sector and in government. If there's a situation where, it's a, a decree that certain information must be kept on premise for security regulatory reasons. Do you think that's that's an, a case of where the CIO hasn't been able to explain properly to the other members of the, of the organisation, senior executives, for instance, um, that the cloud is as secure, perhaps if not more secure than than on premise? Yeah, possibly, and I, I think there is a, um, you know, particularly when you're dealing with some um, systems that may be used by the public, um, there's, there's more public acceptance of cloud now than there has been in the past. Um, I think there's a lot of scepticism in the public, but yeah, I do think it's, it's, it is incumbent on the CIO to try and get people to understand, um, to explain it in a way that's under, understood um, by the executive in any organisation about the um, you know, it's not just the fact that um, it, it is quite secure in a cloud environment, but also the measures that they may take internally to ensure that risk is, is managed on a continual basis. Because right. as I said, you can't, you can't transition the accountability. No. Um, so I think you need to um, make sure that executives are comfortable that um, not only is the cloud environment secure, but that you have the internal mechanisms to ensure that that is the case. And do you, is it is it your feeling that the major cloud vendors are um, providing more assurance and more proof, more evidence of their of their security settings and you know everything that you were saying about yeah about, about uh, surety? Mm, yeah, I'd say some possibly more than others, and I won't name particular vendors, but yeah. um, I think there are some vendors who are very transparent and very aware of their obligations in this place. I think others, their, their specific business model actually makes that challenging for them. Yeah. Um, so, um, but, but that, I think, as CIOs, that's our due diligence that we need to do um, around, you know, which vendors we actually might um, be comfortable um, with using. Yeah. And so what are, you, what are your thoughts about the fact that, that both AWS and Azure have recently an, announced hybrid cloud offerings? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Um, 
I think, Isn't you know, it is. Yes. <laughs> it is interesting. Yeah. Um, when I look across government, there's a huge amount of legacy in government mm. um, because um, often it's very, very hard sometimes to get budget to um, to transition really old um, you know, sort of applications into, into a more modern environment. Mm. Um, so I think that the time to transition is probably slower than what we would like yep. for that reason. Um, but yeah, I, I find it interesting because I think the, the bigger issue we have is how to manage a multi-cloud environment rather than a hybrid cloud environment for the future. Well, the, 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 um, hi- the hybrid multi-cloud environment is this new term we're trying to introduce into the lexicon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think I think that the, the vendors, the cloud, most cloud vendors are really only responding to what um, we as CIAs are asking for. Mm. Um, and if we're still asking for hybrid cloud, um, we probably think about how can we is and I suspect for a lot of them it is a transition. I mean, we can look at what we're doing and and we we think we will have a hybrid environment for a while, and that's largely just the sheer amount of work there is to um, optimize some of our um, applications um, and move them onto our platform. Um, so, you know, there is a. I think it's possibly a risk management strategy that a lot of CIOs take is to gradually move, um, move it out, get out of your, out of your data centres, um, and, and by the vendors offering a hybrid cloud environment, they can, um, you know, we can save the money of having our internal data centres. Um, we can do that, um, and then over time, uh, move anything that's in the um, uh, the hybrid model onto cloud um, and, you know, move from there. But, and, and I also think it's, it's, a, um, it's a transition from infrastructure as a service yeah. um, through to platform and software as a service. Um, you know, our, our move will be more into the platform as a service space. So the need to have anything other than the cloud environments that support those platforms will, will become less and less. Right. Well, I mean, it's platform as a service, but I mean, infra- infrastructure as a service is still enormously critical, right? Particularly if you're building applications in house. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us, and really appreciate your time. Very interesting insights, and good luck with the um, with the Childlink project and others. I mean, very important work you're doing there, and we look forward to having you back on the show soon. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank you. We enable any organisation to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies, protecting the identity of both workforces and customers, connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Okta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organisation. Joining us now is Andrew Lawrence, who's a founder and CEO of Securu, which is a cybersecurity consultancy specialising in cyber risk and in the supply chain. He's also the former CIO of Challenger Telco Superloop. Andrew, welcome back to the CIO Show. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me back and, and happy 2021. Yes, indeed. It um, couldn't be any worse than last year. <laughs> I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, talk, talking about hybrid cloud, um, is it? It seems it seems to me that as though it's starting to look like organisations that that still maintaining hybrid cloud environments. Um, uh, it, it it could be fair to to say that 
really they don't have their acts together yet, given that we've got such a such a dramatic exodus to the cloud. And, you know, um, amongst some of the, the biggest, most successful and reputable organisations in the world. Um, but are there still valid reasons for maintaining a hybrid cloud environment? Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, I, I think the short answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a few reasons for wanting to maintain um, a hybrid cloud environment. I think some some companies, uh, you know, have an investment in their private cloud and they're probably trying to sweat that for as long as they can, you know, especially given, given the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, there's also you know, a large portion of the, the companies that are just regulated against it or maybe have a, a specific application topology that restricts them from moving to the cloud under its current model. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, there's probably a large portion of people who are already there and happy in the cloud. Yeah. Um, some people who are, you know, still on the, on the way, um, you know, I'd be surprised if people haven't started. Um, but then again, even if people haven't started, I think there's an argument there that, you know, the supply chain is so heavily in the cloud these days that, you know, they're the, they're the ones, they're the only ones that aren't, you know what I mean? So what some organizations that think they're hybrid cloud might not actually be hybrid cloud or? <laughs> well, I think some of them, some of the people that are, that are hybrid cloud um, and the, ju- the justification for being hybrid cloud is, you know, maybe a, a, a risk uh, question and, and they don't want to go to the cloud because it's too risky. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably worth looking at your supply chain and make sure that they're not in the cloud um, because, you know, as we know, you know, you, know, you go and buy a SaaS service these days, you know, for, for $2 a month or whatever it is, you know, guaranteed they're in the cloud and guaranteed those in the cloud somewhere overseas too. Right? Yeah, sure. But there's also performance questions too, right? Uh, 100%, 100%. Um, you know, you, you may be running a, a company which you know, has an application that, that needs to be, you know, physically, you know, close to close to some hardware uh, or close to, to your network. So, you know, you may need to run that on-premise. You know, if you're, if you're a company that's operating out of cans and, you know, you have an application which is latency sensitive, you know, putting, your, putting that application in, in Amazon in Sydney or, or Google or someone like that down, down south, yeah. You know, and having it to long line down to Sydney and back to your office again just to do the same thing that your old school application did, you know, that's probably not the, the smartest choice. So those people, absolutely valid reasons for running a hybrid cloud. And, you know, until until the cloud model evolves to, to allow them to do um, those sort of latency-sensitive applications closer to home, then I think they'll be, they'll be stuck in that model for, for a while. And do you still think that there's a degree of... Um you know, a d- desire for control that's maybe still keeping the hybrid cloud model alive, control, <laughs> peace of mind. Yeah, yeah. I guess, people used I guess to talk about talk- sovereignty. They don't talk about sovereignty so much anymore. But No, I think they're talking about sovereignty a lot, you know, when, when the cloud first came out and, you know, Amazon was probably the biggest player in Sydney yeah. and everyone else was overseas. So yeah. sovereignty was a really big question. But now... You know, even you know, even if you fire up a Salesforce instance, you can tick the box saying I want my data host in Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, so as more and more of those big vendors, you know, put compute in 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 this country and allow people to choose where they host their data, I think the sovereignty question goes away a little bit. Yeah. Um, are there going to be some some uh, grumpy IT guys out there who like to see the flashing lights and the hum of the server in the in the corner of the room? I think. Yeah, sadly enough, absolutely. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably a thing. But um, yeah, you know, yeah, I think yeah. you, know, they, they, you, don't, you, don't, probably... you don't really know what's going on until, unless you can touch it and see it. Yeah, you know, I want to be able to see the lights and I want to be able yeah. to plug in my monitor and see yeah. what's happening. You know, yeah. I think there's a lot of that. Um, that. There definitely used to be anyway. But you know, the more visibility you get in the cloud these days, 
the better that is. And I think there's a there is a, a bit of a turning point, and we we hit it a few years back, you know, where there was an argument for you know if it's on prem, I have more control, more visibility, you know, I I can guarantee that it's more secure, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we hit that turning point pretty early on in the cloud days where you know, the level of visibility that you get from, let's say, Amazon, for example, um, in a couple of clicks of a mouse button, you can have a, a service that's stood up. You can have lots of visibility about what's going on, on the network side, on the application side, of the logging and the correlation. You can get that all in, in, a, in a heartbeat. Whereas, you know, the investment required from a, from a business to deploy the applications and the people, et cetera, et cetera, and the hardware, to do that on-premise these days, yeah. disproportionate, right? And the value proposition, you know, arguably isn't there for a lot of people. Yeah, sure. And how are you seeing the this, you know, this trend, this move towards edge computing kind of coming into this conversation? Yeah, uh, I, I really I really like the, the edge computing model and I'm, I'm watching uh, and hoping that it, it evolves quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, at the moment, you have these silos of compute, um, and we used to have our own on-premise data centers, or we used to have our local data centers. And look, don't get me wrong, we still have lots of those. But you know, you look at the Amazons and the Googles and the, and the Azures. You know, everyone's putting their workloads into these places. Yeah. Yes, they're not one data center; they're kind of a, a group of data centers in, in regions. Yeah. But if you treated them as one logical location or as a vendor, and you said, "I'm going to put all my compute into Amazon or all my compute into GCP," then you're basically taking your workloads off-site and putting them down in Sydney or Melbourne. And if you're not in Sydney and Melbourne, again, you've got this architecture problem where your applications start, you're pushing your applications further away from you. Now, uh, to get the edge compute model, that'll bring them back, you know, it'll start bringing them closer back to where you are because, you know, the the big OTTs of the world, they understand that, you know, latency is a problem and people don't want to be super far away from everything all the time. So we'll start seeing that come back and it'll be a really interesting... um, uh, evolution with 5G and edge compute coming together at the same time and a lot of the times those two conversations are together um, but you know having super high speed access to the endpoint and then having the cloud nice and close yeah. you know will probably enable some of those older school applications which couldn't be in the cloud because of latency or proximity reasons once the cloud gets close to them then yeah they'll be able to push that out to the cloud because the cloud will just be down the road yeah. as opposed to being you know interstate so you, you're talking about. So I've, I've certainly read, um, read about this. Actually, I've written about this as well in a previous publication um, about this sort of um, nascent um, uh, collection of regional cloud centres that are starting to pop up and are expected to accelerate with the rollout of five G. Is that sort of what we're talking about? This kind of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort You've of got- de- this sort of decentralisation of public cloud infrastructure, particularly in, in, yeah. in a dispersed country like Australia. Yeah, and it's fantastic to watch, right? Mm. Um, because you do, you are sort of, you're decentralizing the, you know, the model which we thought was already kind of decentralized. So you're pushing that further out. Um, and as you push, you know, regional hubs into Queensland or regional hubs into Northern Territory, Western Australia, then, you know, you start getting that proximity and everyone starts benefiting from that. Um, and in a big place like Australia, you know, it means more to us than it means to, to someone in, in Europe where they're, you know, nice and, nice and dense, not a huge amount of, uh, of area to cover. Yeah. And they've always had the, the benefit of, you know, being only a couple of milliseconds away from their workload. Yeah. Well, I remember also um, it was a big, big headline grabbing story. Maybe it was last year, it might have been the year before, about organisations pulling data back from the cloud 
Um, of course, you know, myself being a journalist, I know it, it wouldn't take many um, instances of that for, for one to just to posit the question, is this a trend? <laughs> but, but, but perhaps, perhaps it, 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 it never was and never will be, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't got my crystal ball out, but you know, I, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Um, yeah. You know, I think we'll probably start seeing that multi-cloud piece, you know, become more and more popular. And you know, yeah. already, you know, you have you know, your Google Maps APIs, which you're going to be hosting in, inside GCP, versus your, you know, your Amazon workloads versus your 365 workloads in Azure. You know, mm. you're going to have multiple services, and you're going to go to the best provider for that solution. Mm. And there'll be just an expectation that you can get from cloud provider A to cloud provider B quickly, yeah. easily, and without any fuss, commoditized, right? It's been commoditized already with, you know, lots of different OTPs that do it already, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's not necessarily a matter of I'm going to put, I'm going to choose my strategic cloud, public cloud vendor, and I'm just going to go with them. It's I'm going to go to the place that gives me the thing I need when I need it at the right price. Yeah, sure. And on that security question, it's, I, I recall, you know, you, well, you, you, you mentioned in a previous conversation that, um, regulatory bodies such as APRA, for instance, were very leery of the cloud some sort of 15 years ago. There were all sorts of concerns about about security. And, of course, then the cloud vendors came and came out and said, and the people that supported the, 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 the big cloud players said, well, you know, it's certainly in our, in our best interest for us to have best of breed security. But it, it seems as though they, they've almost done better than that. And it makes sense that they, that they have because – you know, major security outages in public cloud vendors is is death, really. I mean, if that were to happen, then maybe we would see people pulling their data out of back, you know, back in house. But yeah, yeah, if the if the trust if the trust disappeared, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people they've been quite transparent. One of the things that you see with the a lot of the cloud providers is the shared responsibility model, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they all publicise it. You know, it's not the front page. Don't get me wrong; they don't advertise how much responsibility they're leaving in your hands. But mm-hmm. you know. They definitely document, you know, what they do and how they do it, and they say the rest is, you know, still up to you. So, mm. you know, whilst you're moving workloads to an, to another data center, another provider, mm. you know, you still you're still responsible. It's really transparent what you're responsible for. Mm. Um, the APRA guidance, well, way back when, I guess I'm feeling pretty old right now, but um, the, the APRA guidance back back when said, you know. Um, you know, they, you know, they kind of advised against moving to the cloud, and they mm. they even proposed. I think they proposed at one point that a community cloud, you know, would be more beneficial than a public cloud. Yeah. Um, so community cloud being, you know, lo- you know, like-minded companies in an in industry all, all choosing all to host in the same, yeah. yeah, host in the same sort of area. I think it was like one of the Amazon, uh, one of the Amazon reports or somebody from Amazon said, you know, you show me a, a community cloud and say banking, and I'll show you a security target, right? <laughs> so yeah. advising all the all the uh, yeah, all the advisor, the financial advisor to use the one the one cloud location. Creating a virtual not. a virtual honeypot, yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be amazing to watch, yeah. um, but not not for the customers, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's one of those things. So I think they've definitely they're definitely relaxed that now. As you've seen, a lot of companies and a lot, especially financial companies, are advertising the fact that they're 100 percent cloud or they're going to be 100 percent cloud really really soon. Um, you know means that there's that confidence in the cloud services that they can provide the security that people need and it's probably a, a, a more industry standardized security model that they can get out of it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you look at any of the providers, you know, they publish white papers on the best practices yeah. in their cloud. Here is what you should do to make yeah. sure you're getting the best out of our services. Yeah. And anyone deploying in those environments that's not reading that thing and doing those things, you know, 
probably should go back and read the papers because there's some really good advice in there. So, so it sounds like it sounds like this whole notion of hybrid cloud is 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 quickly becoming a, a, a retro kind of concept. Like like saying to somebody at a dinner party that you drive a 1978 Holden or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're at a dinner party and your, your page is going off because uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you've gone to UPS Power, you know, at 10 p.m., uh, yeah, you're probably you're probably wishing you're in the public cloud about that. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for joining us again, mate. And um, good luck for this year and, and good luck with the Securia venture. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me talk to you soon. Cheers, mate. All right. Our final guest today is David Kassane, who is the Managing Director with APAC Lead for Enterprise Cloud with uh, tech business consultancy Prativity. David, welcome to the CIO Show. Thanks very much, David. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, uh, you know, as we're aware... The cloud is supposed to have it's supposed to be helping organisations remove complexity from their environments, re- remove costs, but you know that's not always the case. And and you seem to be of the view, you seem to be of the view that that you know this this ongoing debate about whether organisations should still retain hybrid cloud environments sort of speaks to that ongoing complexity and, and confusion in the market. Well, it's a it's a great point, David. I think the the complexity is, is largely driven by the evolution of the cloud industry. It's yeah. evolved quite quickly, uh, where the adoption has typically been a gradual adoption. And with that, that scenario in place, uh, the options that are available to businesses have increased exponentially, if I could say that. Yeah. And in terms of the, the hybrid model, those options have just increased to organizations. And I think the key thing really is that there is a lot of options out there. There's a lot of complexity on those options um, and there's multiples of multiples. The key thing is for organizations to understand why they're adopting cloud and what it enables them to do. Um, that's a key element for a strategy uh, and it's a key element for successfully understanding how to use the solutions and not get, up, get caught up in the complexity of those solutions themselves. Right. So what, you know, what in your view is, is the rationale or could be the rationale for an organization that does have its, you know, digital ducks in line um, for retaining a hybrid cloud environment. Because our previous our previous two guests, um, yep. Andrew Lawrence and, and Elizabeth Wilson, Andrew Lawrence from Securu and Elizabeth Wilson from the Victorian Department of Education and Training, are both of the view that it really has become something of a euphemism for not really having your digital act together, retaining a hybrid <laughs> cloud environment. Uh, it, it definitely can be. I think um, I've seen multiple examples. I think there's not one size fits all, which yeah. is a, a key element to that to that debate. Um, there is answers for your organisation. There may not be the same answers for the next organisation, the same industry as you. Um, there are benefits to, to hybrid cloud, and there's benefits to public cloud, and there's benefits to private cloud. There's also um, there's also the negative side to that. But I think where we see it working well is when when all the ducks are lined up, as you say, David, and when the strategy is clearly outlining you know, what the benefits are to your organization, what the opportunities are, and also understanding what the impact is, such as skill sets, knowledge, operating model. Yeah. Um, but flexibility is a, is a key piece, and I say flexibility with the positive spin to that. So yeah. you know, understanding where your organization can use that technology safely and securely, uh, and also to use that technology for the best interest of heart, I think. Um, cost management and, and scalability are ones that probably not suited to hybrid cloud but are called out in hybrid cloud strategies as being a successful outcome. Mm. Um, my personal opinion is that public cloud 
migrations will give you those flexibilities and ability to, to manage your costs more effectively. But again, depending on the organization, uh, should you need to spend more on capital or you, you can avoid uh, increasing your OPEX uh, with a public cloud model, there's options there available to you in the hybrid piece. I think where, where we look at the hybrid model, I think the, the latest architectures such as AWS Outpost or um, Azure Stack, um, they're two examples of hyperscalers who are typically public cloud only, enabling opportunities or solutions to cater for private cloud models with a consistency of services. Yeah. And in that particular architecture, I think the benefits that you get with public cloud with the consumption of public cloud model, you can apply to hybrid. So I think even from my opening point, you know, the the technology is evolving to a to a position where the opportunities are more attractive, whether you go public or, or hybrid model. Right. So I mean, you know, the the, the fact that, that Azure and, and AWS have hybrid offerings there tends to support the view that, you know, there is a, a valid case for having you know, supporting a hybrid cloud environment, um, yep. but also to your point, um, if, if if that is the case, then it should be part of a, a well thought out, well considered, you know, broader cloud strategy. What is it that you're trying to achieve? What what is it that you're trying to achieve by putting the the, the data that you do have in the cloud, and and what are your reasons for not having um, for data in the cloud? And it should be better yep. than because we haven't yep. figured out how to do it yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or. <laughs> or we read a, a you know something that says public cloud is a bad idea. I yeah. think every day of the I mean, week public cloud is a bad idea, so we're going to put our arms around this stuff that's really important. Yeah, and just call it call it private cloud, which is a common thing that I see in the market where yeah. it's the same as what you did yesterday, but we'll just put put a label on it to call it private cloud and, and make it sound more appealing. Um, yeah. I think that the true element of of hybrid is bringing the public and private clouds together, yeah. where the benefits and the usage of both are applicable to your organization, but mm. the, the coordination or the orchestration of those services is key yeah. to that experience being the same. Yeah. Otherwise, back to the original question, David, is you're increasing complexity yeah. and therefore you're limiting the benefits of your strategy. So that's, there's, there's important kind of characteristics of that strategy to make it work. Yeah. The same thing with a shift to public cloud, you do it right. Um, you don't just do it to be 100% in the cloud. Mm. If, you're, if your business or your customers don't need it or don't care, yeah. then why would you invest in it? Um, you need to have the right reasons down on paper and be tracking against them. And also the, the complexity takes away from those benefits, which is a key element to, to note within that strategy and approach. Mm. Right. So we're telling CIOs, if, you, if you're running a hybrid cloud environment, you need to do it right. What, are, yeah. what, what, yeah. what specifically can we sort of say in, in terms of how one gets there? How, how does one, how does one you know, orchestrate those two environments well, I think I think a hybrid cloud, so public cloud and private cloud mixed together and combine them is this the hybrid model in theory, and it's a very basic it's a very basic overview of what that is. Mm. Um, I think the key thing for CIOs that I would talk to was understanding where your business needs to get to and how cloud is going to enable it. Mm. Um, it seems like an obvious thing to state. Yeah. I know it does, but yeah. a lot of the time um, I've seen in clients and and also in organisations that I've worked in, the cloud strategy if you like is not an enabler it's there to do something yeah. um, and more times more often than not it's a technical reason which doesn't actually link back to the business reason and i think that's a mistake so for me the first step would be to set the strategy for the business underpinned by technology which is enabled through cloud yeah um now that cloud technology whether it's public or private 
it's determined by the in the transformation that you're out to achieve that it's enabling. Yeah. And that, you know, whether it's a, a regulatory compliance or it's a, you know, maybe it's a, I, I don't know, whether it's a resiliency piece or it, your applications won't work or there's too legacy or it's too old school and it will, will not, the architecture for the applications aren't suited to public cloud, whatever the reason is for having private, by all means, make sure it's the right reason. And then if you're shifting towards public cloud, I would definitely adopt the, the process that works, which is strategy into operating model, into workload assessment. So assessing your workload or your applications in your infrastructure mm. and then planning a proof of concept so you don't just go in two feet first um, and you do it the right way with minimal risk uh, to your organization. Mm. I point back to the, the strategies that are very popular at the moment. You know, we're going to be 100% in cloud. Um, that's great if your business is ready for it and enables your business. Um, but having the right approach to going public or private is absolutely essential. Yeah. And going in with your eyes wide open and prepared, again, seems very obvious. <laughs> um, and it is, but it just needs to be structured the right way so it's not technology for technology's sake. Sure. And are there, are there a, a new tools that make it easier for CIOs to, say, for instance, ensure that they can monitor their clouds, their cloud workloads and their on-premise workloads from the same dashboard? Is, is, that, is that something yep. that's... That's that was maybe not as easy to do in the past. That is easier now. Yeah, it definitely is easier. I think, um, as I mentioned, the the hyperscaler. So the like GCP. I forgot to mention. Apologies for that. But this isn't a product <laughs> placement section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like all, all the major hyperscalers, like the AWS, Microsoft Azure, GCP, they all have tools to manage private cloud. Yeah. Um, they're different tools again, so they're not the same. Uh, but the design of those tools, such as Azure Arc, for example, are designed to manage private cloud environments as well as the public cloud environments with minimal complexity, providing obviously, you know, you conform to the architecture that those tools will monitor and work with. Mm. That's part of your strategy. So if part of your strategy is to reduce complexity, we hear it a lot, but providing options doesn't reduce it, it increases complexity. But if you were to look to reduce complexity, you shift part of your workload to public cloud and then you shift part of that workload to a private cloud, a proper private cloud, the bit in the middle shouldn't be the complexity. The bit in the middle should be the integration point between those two clouds and should be a seamless experience. Yeah. So the consumption enterprise is enabled whether you're using private or public. Yeah. Time and time again, we see different private cloud working with different public cloud, working with different middleware in between our or orchestration applications, mm. which increases complexity, increases cost, actually increases risk, mm. and doesn't provide any of the benefits that enable your organization. So to do it right, now, I think that the, the hyperscalers are bringing in products every day of the week. Now, <laughs> that's maybe a bit bit adventurous on that statement, but they're bringing in products quite quickly um, that enable a seamless usage of private and public cloud because they've realized there's a valid use case for private cloud. There's also a, a big, large business case for public cloud for most organizations. But to provide that seamless experience between the two is the real winner in terms of a hyper cloud. And that's reducing complexity. Now, there's examples I can give across AWS, Azure, and GCP, but you can see that those products are evolving. They're relatively new in the marketplace, so the proof of concept that I mentioned as part of that process is a really critical part for the strategy to, to be, I think, to be turned into a success. Do you think in two, three, four, five years' time, people will even be using the term hybrid cloud, or will it be supplanted by, by multi-cloud? Will that be more sort of sensible? Um, transition in terms of the lexicon? Yeah, I, I think 
I think organizations, um, I think technical technology teams will probably use all three terms for a number of years. I think any, any shift to public cloud should take time. You can't just turn it on and it's a success. And so organizations have been working a certain way with certain applications and certain data in certain regulatory conditions for a long period of time. Mm. Um, and those organizations take time to move to a cloud environment, whether it's public or private. Yeah. Uh, I think that hybrid and, and public or private, there's, there's no right or wrong answer. And it feels like depending what article you read or, or who you listen to, including me, yeah. you know, there's, 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 you know, oh, I've done that wrong. It's not the case. Yeah. It's what's right for your organization. So, um, I think what I'd love to be hearing in, in two, three, four, five years is how cloud has enabled the business to transform and not just enable the technology to change. That's what I'd love to start hearing more of. Um, it's starting to come out more and the hyperscalers are certainly marketing that experience more. Yeah. But whether it's private or public, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I do think hybrid is going to be a model that exists for quite a period of time. And gradually, the experience of public cloud and the access to multiple systems in public cloud platforms, I think, will overtake the, the need for private cloud as well as regulatory bodies, which is a big part of the private cloud decision, um, are becoming more open and understanding towards public cloud services. Yes. So as that regulation changes, I think we'll see a shift, maybe a percentage shift towards public cloud in a hybrid model. But I think it'll be around for quite a while. Sure. Yeah. Well, David, thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the show again soon. Thanks so much, David. I appreciate it. Thank take, you. Take care. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Coming up next is the third in our industry vertical series, this time looking at financial services. They say every organization is a technology company these days. This is especially the case for businesses in the financial services sector. Banks and other long-standing financial services businesses are investing huge amounts of money and effort into digitizing their entire operations and transforming processes. As the growing number of fintechs create new competitive challenges by offering faster, more intelligent, data-driven solutions which continue to evolve and improve. In this episode, we talk to CIOs and expert analysts about how the finance industry is using digital technologies to adapt to the changing landscape, in particular the sharp pivot to complete customer centricity, as well as how the sector is progressing in retiring big, long-standing legacy systems. We hope you can join us.